Welcome back to What's Your Favorite Scary Movie. I'm Verona. I'm Sarah. And today we are going to be talking about Warm Bodies, which is a movie that we both love so much. Warm Bodies is a Tumblr favorite of mine. I am a huge Nicholas Holt fan. I was big into the Nicholas Holt craze on Tumblr as well. I was a Skins, X-Men First Class, Warm Bodies stan i love nicholas holt i still do i think he is such a unique fun little guy he is like four feet taller than me i recently started watching the great i'm like literally i think i'm like a season and a half in i've barely watched it i always forget that it's like in my rotation of tv shows i'm watching but it's so good he is so unbelievably funny and he's just like he's such a good romantic actor He's got a sweet little face, so he was perfect for this. But I love Nicholas Holt. He is he plays the perfect little freak that like you love. I'd love to see him in like a Frankenstein type thing. Warm Bodies is a novel adaptation. I have not read the book in years. I read it after the movie came out. I'd seen the movie first and then A lot of people were talking about the book and how it compared to the book, so I went and bought the book as well. I don't think that there's really anything wrong with the adaptation of Warm Bodies at all. I think that the movie was great, even in, like, comparison with the book. That being said, there are some really cool, like, key parts in the book that sort of delve a little deeper into the zombie lore, Um, and I think that I would have liked to see more of it in the movie just because it was such cool, unique stuff that was in the book, I guess. But um, it wasn't necessary for the plot to make sense. So the movie still ended up being a solid little piece of work. But yeah, those were things in the book that I thought um, were super unique. And I was like really excited about when I got to read the book for the first time because I wasn't expecting them. I'm a really big zombie fan. Verona is not a fan of zombies, but... I am. I love zombies, so I'm always excited about like the unique takes on them, and I think that Warm Bodies is a very special little zombie romance. I just don't fuck with zombies. They usually scare me, or they're and not in a good way. They like are gross to me, or I just associate them with The Walking Dead, so I really hate it. But like the zombie movies that I like, I like. So like this one, um, Zombieland, Zombieland Two. Night of the Living Dead, all of those types, like Return of the Living Dead, like all all of those, love those. Yeah, shit like Walking Dead, I just could never get into, especially lately, a lot of zombie media misunderstands, like, the core themes of what zombies represented. Like, we briefly touched on the fact that uh, back in the day, they kind of represented, like, consumerism. A lot of the time, they forget the humanity aspect of it, because that is a big part of any monster movie, but specifically a zombie movie. It's about humanity at the end of the day. When you're missing that key part to it, I don't know. I just can't get into it. I also like World War Z. I forgot about that one. That one was fun. I feel like a lot of zombie media nowadays, like 2000s kind of onward, I feel like a lot of it, the the whole part of it being like, these are like your friends, your family, your neighbors, like this is your fe- like your fellow community people that are no longer who they were like, they're no longer themselves. There's they're not in there anymore. I feel like that always ends up being like one character has that moment of like trying to run to the zombie that was their family member and everyone has to like drag them off and be like, it's not him anymore. Like, let's go. I think it's weird that that's always like a single trope that's used as opposed to like a more 
consistent happening in like a zombie situation the the focus on the humanity always is exclusively on the survivors and like it rarely seems to have any focus on the actual zombies which is why i'm always so excited when somebody has like a fresh take on that and how to like kind of bring that in which is a what warm bodies was i think there's another airplane coming hang on but i have one more example another example for me is the generation dead book series which was like a teen like ya lit kind of situation and they had some surprisingly like heavy themes i think for for the age group that they were sort of like written for i was a huge fan of that series i still am like i if i had my copies i'd probably be going back and rereading them occasionally but it does come into what we had been talking about previously about the politics. Um, we kind of, we had talked about how the different monsters and the different themes in horror have kind of always represented different things. And then you can kind of see how the representations have shifted a little bit, just depending on what's going on in the world. The shift for zombies to also very much kind of be a take on the treatment of disabilities and like developmental problems. That shift in, in certain zombie media is very much especially something like warm bodies or like generation dead really injects that humanity back into the story in a really needed way similar to how we kind of see ours development in warm bodies that's kind of what they had in generation dead i'm not going to talk about the book series for very long because we're talking about this movie but the premise of that book series was that it was these high schoolers who are alive like in a post zombie world and they go to school with zombies and it was like a lot of takes on developmental disabilities and like segregation in schools very much ongoing segregation in schools between disabled people and more able people and also like physically able people and how their physically disabled peers are so like in a different world than they are in the same school it was so interesting it was such a good book series if anyone ever gets the chance to read it you absolutely should and it does also have like warm bodies that zombie lore where you kind of get to see what it's like inside their brain there's a lot going on in this movie with r's thoughts working at like a regular pace but he physically can't emote properly how it's so frustrating for him to be stuck in this world where you know people like julia and her peers can they, they they just seem to like move on from him like people when he tries to talk to them like the the not zombie characters they start like they get kind of frustrated with him or they start like talking over him because he's not filling spaces in conversation quickly enough but he's like he's there he just can't you know get the words out and i just i like that extra little bit of lore i also really like the lore with um how the zombies get more and more like physically degraded over time to the point where the ones that have like no flesh left on them have also like been so far removed from their humanity by the time it takes them to be in that stage that they're completely inhuman like they act like monsters they act soulless they don't have personality they can move around freely again but really like at what cost like there's no soul there there's no like brain activity except for like hunt very cool one of the things that i love about this movie is that we get so much from the zombies perspective pretty much every other zombie movie it's about the human survivors and how they're dealing with the world so i really love that this one does the opposite and it is from the perspective of our main zombie 
and how he views the world. And so we're in his head all the time so we can hear all of his thoughts and everything that he's trying to say or everything that he's thinking and feeling. And the human characters around him are just like watching him and obviously they can't hear what we're hearing. So they just kind of see it as nothing. But I just really love that because I'm like, oh, that's like so much more fun. Because like you said, I love a fresh take on the zombies. Not only was it like a fresh take on zombies, but it was also a fresh take on Romeo and Juliet. Because obviously they weren't following the exact Romeo and Juliet like story, but they did take little aspects from it. Obviously his name is R, her name is Julie, and just like little things. And I appreciate that. Also Perry instead of Paris for her actual like... Oh, and M. M. Mercutio. Obviously, Romeo and Juliet tropes have been, like, done to death. No pun intended. I don't know. I like when people use Shakespeare themes in modern adaptations. But I I love when they don't just follow it, like, by the book. And, like, you're like, oh, this is supposed to be this. And this is supposed to be... Okay. And it's, like, the same thing over and over again. I like that it was different. Like, you could recognize parts of the story that it was trying to use. But most of it for the most part, was like completely original. As we go into the romance of it, I have some big thoughts. I made you guys listen to my rambling about this when we watched Infinity Pool. There are several schools of thought in philosophy on what the self is and where it comes from and how it works. And there are many hypotheticals and arguments to be made, but a common thing that I think a lot of people feel is that which is what makes it such a complicated conversation to have is that your your brain and your mind and your memory and your thoughts and like the context of how you form thoughts based on what you know and like how what is in your brain um is what makes you you so you know if tomorrow the technology was discovered that you could surgically remove someone's entire head and put it on another body and it would work exactly the same would that still be you if it was like not your body, right? And the answer for most people is like, of course it is because it's it's you. Like it's got, it, all of you is up here. So technically it would be you wherever it was. If you were in some insane accident and like you lost all of your limbs and you were like, you know, your body and your head, that would still be you. How much of yourself physically can you lose before you're not you anymore and that people won't? bat an eye at the idea right so of course in infinity pool we have the cloning situation where the clones have the same memories and the same like everything is the exact same to the point where of course the character's questioning if he's even a clone or if he's the original anymore so then in warm bodies r begins to he eats perry's brain throughout the course of the movie he saves it for himself to like eat at different times because as we learn, it's kind of the closest thing that the zombies know to dreaming, and it's also kind of gives them like a really special high. It's the high of being alive because they no longer have that essential feeling anymore. So he is eating his contraband contraband brain throughout the movie of the boyfriend, the late boyfriend um, of the girl that he's now in love with. And it kind of has these like implications that a good like chunk of why he's in love with her is because he has all of these memories of falling in love with her because he has her boyfriend's memories of their relationship that they built together. And it's never once implied in the story that for that reason, like it's never a drama of the story that 
he might not really be in love with her and whatever. But th that is like a good question to ask is how much of it really counts as him and how much of that is not actually him or himself like that. It's somebody else's memories in his head. So using the argument that your memories and your head is like what makes you you, it almost kind of implies that you would take the opposite here and say that that's not really him, which is a big question. And I like it. I like that too a lot. I famously was not into death philosophy because Sarah and I, we've talked about this. We exist in like extreme opposites. So when she is scared of something, she dives into it heavily. When I am scared of something, I avoid it completely. There's something to be said about that. I should see a therapist, but so should you. But <laughs> And I like when movies can make you think deeper into that because like obviously that wasn't the intention of this movie the intention of this movie is to be like a silly little like young adult like zombie apocalypse romance type shit so obviously they weren't like intending for us to have these like big deeper questions but that is like so true and like so real to think about because obviously beforehand as soon as he sees her like it's love at first sight for him like he's in love with her so there is already that seed there but is the reason why it continues to grow because of the fact that he's spending time with her or because of the fact that he is, like you said, reliving these memories that aren't his. And yeah, they bond, of course, throughout the movie. That's the, the plot of the movie is them falling in love, right? So he does spend time with her that is completely organic and it's just them. Like they talk about collecting records and like they listen to music together they have like a fun little rapport going. They bond over the course of the movie with his own thoughts, his own feelings and his own memories and hers as well. But yeah, that's just really interesting how much of, it's kind of like makes you wonder like how much of it is him and does it count as him? And does frankly any of them count if the basis of it isn't really him? Does that mean that it's like a mixed romance that's not just him and him and her? Oh, I, I have like so many, I wrote down so many times. Every time John Malkovich was on screen, I wrote down, I love John Malkovich. Yes, <laughs> I do. He's so great in this. Some really, this is like just a side note about the technical, because I, I know we only ever talk just briefly about the technical side of these movies in this month. But um, as cut and dry as this movie is, because it really is just like a nice little tight, quick romance, there are a couple of really beautiful moments of cinematography. And to me, like my favorite is when it is the memory of Julie and Perry when they sneak out together for the first time early in their relationship and they go to the old baseball field, the abandoned baseball field. And there's a shot where as he's walking out, he um, is just like in awe of this huge pitch that they're in. And he turns around, he kind of like air bats as if he's playing baseball. And it makes an echoing sound throughout the whole pitch of like a ball getting hit by a bat. That hit me so hard because we're seeing it through his memory of our having his brain. The flashbacks of Perry and Julie, we're seeing them through Perry's memory that R is consuming at the time. So the fact that when Perry swung, like air swung, he was picturing the sound it would make is so like, that just gets me every single time. It's so good. And then of course we get to our eating, speaking of the memories, we get to our eating the memory of the attack, like Perry's last consistent memory, um, which is that R attacked him, obviously. The way that as he's chewing up the piece of the brain that has this memory is forcing him to confront being a monster 
and it's making him physically ill. Like, he's, like, drooling and, like, starts, like, spitting up, and then he, like, spits the brain out. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What a detail. It's so good. And it's also because as the film's going on, he's getting more and more close to being alive again. He's kind of regaining this humanity that he was already hanging on to very hard to begin with. A huge sign of that humanity is feeling bad for doing something that he had to do. Like, to me, that's that's the sign of humanity. Not the only one. Um, and not for every situation, but him having had to kill Perry, not only to protect himself, because they were going to kill, it was kill or be killed, but also because he has to eat. He's a zombie. It's not his fault. It's like anybody else. Um, so even have, doing something for his own survival and being filled with like hate and disgust at himself is such a clear sign of his humanity coming back, which as we see, it is getting closer and closer as it goes on. It also makes me wonder if certain memories taste better than others. You know what I mean? Like if certain parts of the brain taste better, so like the better memories that he has if those taste better and then of course that memory where it's not a good memory if that tastes bad because i was thinking about that when we were watching i was like wonder i don't know if we'll ever truly be able to know everything especially when it comes to different parts of the human body especially with different scientists and everything and especially when it comes to the brain because brain is so vast like there's so much obviously all of our activity happens there so it's like it's very crazy to think about. And it's also crazy to think about the fact that it's like one brain or multiple brains trying to figure out how the brain in general works. So like it can't even conceptualize it itself because yeah, it's crazy. That's not what we're, that's not what we're here to spiral about though. <laughs> there's a really great paper. I'm going to find like, I'll find a link to it, but there's a really great paper called, I'm pretty sure it's called The Brain Named Itself. And it is about that exact concept that like the brain can't even conceptualize itself properly, which is like just nuts. Anyway, it's a great paper. I'll find it again and I'll, I'll track it down. I'll send it to you. But anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to spiral on that one. Um, no, I just thought No, that. that's not you spiraling. It's me spiraling. <laughs> That little piece of lore being so weirdly scientifically accurate for this movie is crazy. The movie where a dead guy gets a heartbeat again because of the power of love had like neuroscience correct in it, which is crazy. I feel like it was one of those things that like it was correct on accident. Like they weren't, they probably weren't thinking about like how deeply like, like how accurate it is with the brain. Like it, they were just like, it's a zombie. It eats brains. And then in the brain is memory. So he get memory, he fall in love. Yeah, I do really love the concept of the story and the fact that it's like he learns about like not only him, but like all of the zombies learn about like love and like community. And that slowly makes all of them come back to life instead of like, the basic zombie thing like oh my god we found a magical cure-all and if you give it to every zombie like they come back to life like no this is just like pure of heart like you gotta have love and you gotta have friends and that's what makes life worth living and what makes you feel alive i love that shit you always talk about how you love like stories about like the indomitable human spirit that's essentially what this is. I love anything that has to do with like love and community being like the driving force for something. Even in like your worst moments, if you end up having love, not just like romantic love, but like 
friendship and like just people around you, community in general, that'll bring you back to life. It's like very, very different vibes this week from last week. (laughs) Where like last week is like love is consume you. This is like love will reinvigorate you. One of my notes is just remember that era when Dave Franco was in everything because they were like really trying to push him like during like this and 21 Jump Street and like a couple other things during this time. Now you see me. This was what like 2013, 2014. Now you see me. Oh my God. I forgot about that. I had like such a crush on him. He was like my compet crush at the time because I was just like, yeah, sure. He seems he seems good. Same with Teresa Palmer. This was also an era where they were like kind of pushing her a little bit. Yes. She was like the big the big Tumblr girl for the moment. I used to get Teresa Palmer and Alice Eve so confused during this time and it was really hard because they were both in a lot and they look so similar that it would just like trip me up. So like I was about to be like, oh yeah, she was also in The Raven and then I was like, nope, that's Alice Eve. Yeah, and then the girly from America's Next Top Model is in this. She's also in Crazy Stupid Love and like a lot of other things. She's done very well for her acting career. I'm very proud of her. Because I remember watching her cycle, and I think she got to, like, top three or top two. Like, she made it very far. You were talking about the importance of, like, love will conquer all. And I think that what was really special about this movie is that not only did they focus, obviously, mostly on the romance, it is a romantic horror, but it also focused on, like you said, your friends, your community, like, your family. The importance of what happened to R with Julie is mirrored in the other zombies from each other. Not from them also finding love or whatever and like falling in love with someone, having a romantic bond with someone. They get that from each other because they were, even before, even before R is revived, they had a community. In the book, the community, they dive into it a little bit more. I don't think that they misrepresented it in the movie at all. I think that it was still really well done and that you could still see the importance of the community and like they weren't every man for himself. They found each other when they were hungry and would be like, let's go together. Like we need numbers instead of it kind of being this idea that they're all mindless and just kind of like following each other in a herd without any thought to it. I like that they actually made it a community, not a horde, which was just a really neat take, I guess. Um, They have this like love in their community for one another that once they kind of realized how to recognize it, that's what pushes everyone over the edge into being better, I guess. I think one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie is like a, like, it's like a flashback scene, like where Perry and Julie and Nora are all talking together. They're sitting in the field and they're talking about how like the world is totally going to get over this like apocalypse thing. They're going to get back to normal. It'll be fine. And it feels like one of the regular flashbacks that is from ours eating of memories until Perry turns around and is like what the hell are you doing here and R is there and then you realize that R's dreaming which is again one of the last signs that he's very much becoming human again similar to how the memory of himself attacking Perry from Perry's point of view made him feel sick I think it's kind of funny and like very relatable that the second that R was able to dream he immediately had a guilt nightmare like (laughs) First thing right out the gate was a nightmare that was built on his own guilt and his own fear and his own feelings of what he'd done. The fact that he's dreaming about Perry as soon as he's able to dream is so, so heartbreaking. It just kills me, kills me every time. 
there's also a great line. The context that we have is we think it's another flashback. Um, and we do know from the other flashbacks and the other memories that Perry's father worked in agriculture. And then he was kind of being groomed to be a soldier. Perry was, I should say, was being groomed to be a soldier. And it seemed like he wasn't super interested. He maybe wanted to go work with his father. And then when he sees his father has been turned and died, the next thing that we kind of see is that he just decides to become a soldier and go like kill as many zombies as he can. In this dream that we think is a flashback, he's already very like jaded and hardened. Julie says this line where she says that they're gonna exhume the world. And she's misspeaking. Like, she's just saying a big word that isn't correct for what she's saying. And Nora's like, oh, what does that word mean? And she's like, you know, like, refresh, which is not what exhume means. And Perry kind of cuts her off. And he's like, exhume means to dig up like a corpse. And it's one of my favorite lines in the entire movie. The delivery is incredible. One of the best deliveries in a Dave Franco performance. It was so good. I also like the fact that it really shows the humanity in this because the second that he is starting to slowly come back to life, he's immediately faced with his own guilt, which is a very human thing because I don't think any other animal has guilt over the things that they do. And obviously the zombies in this movie or in any zombie media don't have guilt because that's just kind of what they're programmed to do. So the second that he slowly starts to become human, the first emotion he feels isn't like technically love. It's not happiness. It's not anything. It's immediate guilt over what he's done and what he is continuing to do by eating Perry's brain. It's very good. It's very human. Guilt is such a human emotion. I love the window scene where he comes to her window because it's meant to be like the balcony scene in Romeo and Juliet. I love that so much. Another one of those things that I mean when, like, they take small details from the original Romeo and Juliet story but make it their own. And you can point at it and go, I know that part. I know what that's supposed to be. And it's like a fun little happy Easter egg. It was so good. The Rock You Like a Hurricane drop. That is my favorite 80s song ever. And so when I first saw this movie, I was so happy over it. I was like, oh, my God. My favorite line in this is when R is trying to pass off as human and he's talking to the soldier and in his brain he's like, say something human. And then he just goes, how are you? And then in his brain he's like, nailed it. I'm like, that's every social interaction that I have. That's me. <laughs> I felt so represented and understood. Can never, never go wrong with a makeover montage. And speaking of needle drops, the fucking needle drop for Midnight City Oh my god, I was, as we were watching it, I was like, there's nothing more of its era than like a Nicholas Holt, Dave Franco, Teresa Palmer, like weird little romantic Tumblr ass movie. And then, and then Midnight City came on and I was like, oh, I've literally gone back in time. This is crazy. Yeah. Um, I also love that Nora starts it off with Pretty Woman. And then <laughs> Julie is like, really? And she's like, it's funny. I love her. Nora is a lesbian, by the way. That's just a side note. She 100% is a lesbian. They just they didn't have time to expand on that. But I know what she is. And then going to Midnight City. I love Midnight City. I love that whole album. But Midnight City is just like, it's one of those songs that every time I hear it, I get so happy. It's like immediate joy, immediate serotonin, dopamine, every good emotion that I could feel is packed into that song. 
And we love a makeover montage. It's so fun, especially for like turning a zombie into like a person who's living. I love that. Also incredible makeup work because it's not like they just like took off the zombie makeup of Nicholas Hall and they were like, there he is. He's alive again. It looks like they literally did the zombie makeup and then put actual makeup on top of him. And I just think that's such a good detail and looks so good. I love it. And they needed him to pass. So like, I, you're right. Like the balance is so perfect because they could have done like, you know, right, like you said, they could have just taken the zombie makeup off or they could have kind of gone the opposite road and made him look like really shitty and been like, they did a bad job, but then the, they have to get past the guards. So they kind of had to like toe that line of making him look good enough to kind of pass if you move quickly enough, but not like so good that they're like professionals. It was perfect. It's just, it's a good detail. And then the part that like always gets me, like, I don't know why, is at the end when they're running away from the bonies and they get to the door and they open it and it's just like a straight drop into the water below. And Julie's just like so defeated. She's like, it's over. Like, we're done. We're dying. And then ours like, keep you safe. And then he grabs her and jumps so that he lands in the water first and like, she's fully safe. Oh my god. I don't know why. Every time I just like start tearing up. I'm like, oh my god, that's so beautiful. I'm gonna say one more time how much I love John Malkovich. He's so, every single performance he's ever done has been like so insanely earnest. Like it doesn't matter if he's doing this like teen kind of romance, soft horror, or if he's doing like a super highbrow, like deep <laughs> film, or if he's doing something like you know, like a blockbuster comedy. Like he puts it all into every single part and it always fucking lands. Like it always lands. So good. That wraps up our thoughts this week for Warm Bodies. Next week, we are going to cover Jennifer's Body to round out our month of horror romance. Jennifer's Body is an all-time favorite over here. In the meantime, you can check out our link tree. That is WYFSM. That has links to all of our socials as well as everywhere you can listen to the show. And if you stuck around, we are more than anything Verona, but me as well. We have a little bit of a angry rant we have to get to about Founders Day. I think you were very generous in your rating. You gave it one and a half stars. That is too generous of a rating, I believe. Um, I did not have high hopes for that movie because, one, it had such a limited release. Um, I just happened to stumble upon a showing last night at 9.20 p.m. And the only reason why we went to it was because I wanted to go see more Oscar movies in theaters because I did see Past Lives the other night. And, oh my god, it's a beautiful (laughs) movie. Um... But the problem was, is at the time, none of the none of the Oscar movies were playing at a good enough time, and they are all upwards of two and a half hours, ranging to three and a half hours, and that is just not doable at 9 p.m. for me, unfortunately. So I was like, let's go see Founders Day. I love, I love a horror movie, like, let's go. Um, and then I looked at the letterboxed ra- average ratings for it. It was a 2.1 average. And you were the only person that I knew that had seen it and rated it one and a half stars. So I was like, oh, wonderful. This is going to be horrid. Um, And that, I had my expectations low and somehow it was even worse than anything I was expecting. 
And I genuinely can't believe that there are ratings on there where people are like, you guys just didn't get it. This is intentional. And I was like, it doesn't matter if it's intentional or not. It is still horrible. And it being intentional almost makes it worse. That feels like an insult to me. That is some of the worst acting I have ever seen. And across the board, not just from like one particular actor. So it's one of those things where I'm like, are all of you just genuinely bad? Or is it the director's fault? When everyone in the cast is giving like the worst performance I've ever seen, I'm like, I kind of have to blame the director now because you allowed this and you made this happen. There aren't that many actors that I have. There was only like two actors that I had previously seen and both are from Netflix originals. No hate to them, but I'm like, okay. It just, it felt too much like it wanted to be Scream. Like there was so many parts of it that I was like, this is a, literally a scene lifted from Scream. Down to that shitty Dewey Riley knockoff too. The Dewey Riley knockoff, the part in the hallway where after the attack happens, two students enact a murder and like freak out the protagonist, which by the way, the protagonist changed in that movie like four different times. Like I never knew who was who it was following and not even in like an ensemble cast way, like in a way where I was like, I don't even think this movie knows who it's following and who it wants to be the star of it. The like reveal at the end, the like multiple killer reveals, which like the reveals weren't like revealing. I was like, I know exactly who it's going to be. And I like called each person that it was. I was like, all of these people are in on it. And then every time they revealed another person and they were like, oh, it's a twist. There's another one. I was like, yeah, we know we I get it. It just, every single part of this movie fell so flat for me. Like I said earlier, how when something is popular, there's so many imitators of it and they all try to capitalize on it. Because Scream has recently been rebooted in the past two years and became super popular again, there are so many imitators of trying to have their own masked killer icon. We've seen Thanksgiving, It's a Wonderful Knife, now Founder's Day, and each of the masks are really cool, but none of them are ever going to be as iconic as Scream, and none of them are ever going to become a franchise in the same way that Scream has, no matter how good they are. And this one was bad, so this one I know isn't going to become a franchise. It's not going to become Scream, because why else would it be playing once at 9.20pm at the AMC Burbank 6? Not even the Burbank 16, not even the Burbank 8, the Burbank 6. I saw it for a movie mystery Monday. So my ticket was only $5. Mine was free because I have the A-list passed. Thank God. Like there was just like literally every single part of this movie fell flat for me. And like it just felt like there was so much cheesy dialogue that it was just trying to hit all the basics of like what does it's like this feels like the first chat GBT horror movie script being produced that I've ever seen because it just hit every single trope and every single cheesy line in such a bad way. And the kills weren't even like fun or creative. They were just very basic and boring because like I can overlook bad acting. I can overlook a shitty script, all of this stuff. If the kills are at least fun or they're at least creative or they're different, but I was like, okay, all right. And I didn't care about any of these characters. Not even the ones that, like, lived. And it just felt like they were trying to set it up for a sequel that is never going to happen. And I don't want it to happen. 
I was wrong, by the way. Actually, just a quick correction. I did not pay $5 to see this. I paid $1 because this was the New Year's Day Mystery Monday movie at Regal. I saw this on the first day of the year. Didn't even try to have a good time. Didn't even try to get off on the right foot, apparently. It's not even one of those movies where like, oh, it's so bad that it's funny and like you can put it on and laugh. It's one of those movies where I was literally on my phone because there was like pretty much no one else in the theater and everyone was talking about how bad it was while it was on. In the theater that I was in, it's underground, so you don't really have service there. So I was like, oh my God, I can't even like look at my phone or do anything. So I just kept checking the time and I got service for like two seconds and I would just text Sarah and be like, this is so bad. And then text her again, this is worse than Night Swim and the Fear Street movies to me. I apologize to those movies because clearly they aren't as bad as this movie, which is saying something. If I'm saying that I would much rather watch Night Swim or the Fear Street movies, oh my God. Do you know how bad a movie has to be for me to be angry that I'm at the movie theater? I'm the happiest bitch at the movie theater. I'm so happy to see anything. So the fact that the whole time I was sitting here going, when can I go home? When will this be over? It's also not a long enough movie to like warrant thoughts like that. It should have flown by. It has to be so bad for it to have not flown by. Exactly. Also, this is the one time that I have ever watched a movie and been like, there shouldn't have been lesbians in this. Take them out. We don't deserve this. Yeah, like don't put our name on that. Thanks. I also just hate that. We talk about this a lot where a lot of the scream killers and pretty much any killer reveal now because they saw Billy and Stu do it, go from like normal to like mask off. And now they're like, they snapped and they're crazy and they're psychotic. They did that in this movie, but like to like a thousand and it was so bad. I was just like, oh my God, please stop. Please stop whatever this is. And I hated it. I was so angry. Also like the girl who died at the very beginning being the killer at the end was not a shocking reveal. We all called it. Like, literally, M, the second that the girl died, was like, she's gonna be the killer. And I was like, yeah. Because the way that she was, like, standing up to this, like, guy, which, like, the second that it happened, the second that Melissa started standing up to the person that was, like, standing there watching them, we were like, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna end up being her. Because it also just felt like it thought it was a lot smarter than it actually was. And, like, it was almost, like, talking down to me as I was watching it. And I was like... No, no, you didn't, like, subvert my expectations. Like, you're not doing anything different by being like, haha, you thought, here's another plot twist. I was like, yeah, no, I, I got it. I under Please stop showing me this. I get it. I understand. The way it ended, I was just so confused. I was like, so the guy was in on it and you're just letting him get away with it? I'm angry at that movie. And I'm angry that I am wasting this much breath talking about it because it did not deserve this. My sincerest and deepest apologies to Night Swim because I said that that was the worst movie I had ever seen. And now another bitch has taken the crown. Sorry, Night Swim. I would watch Night Swim once a week or every day for the rest of my life if it meant that I never had to watch Founder's Day. And I mean that. Because, like, at least Night Swim, like, the acting was, like, good. Like, as bad as the, like, script was, as bad as the premise was, like, the acting wasn't horrible. 
The cinematography was great too. This one, oh my god, it had nothing going for it. Like genuinely nothing. The only positive thing I can say about it is like that was a cool killer's mask. I didn't even really like the mask that much, so personally. No, no part of it really tied into like the Founders Day. <laughs> this movie just didn't need to exist. That is the real end, folks. We will see you guys next week for Jennifer's Body, which we like a lot more than we liked Founders Day, just to be clear. Thank you for sticking around. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.